even many years into my recovery, Lori still helps me see things that I'm not 100% aware of. That's critical for me to recover. The differences between Jay's approach and this person's approach is instead of going, hey, you're trying to control me, he thanks me. Welcome to Coffee with a Couple Cure, where we share practical tips for your relationship before you finish your first cup. Here's Jay and Lori Pyatt. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us on the podcast, Coffee with a Couple Cure, and on our YouTube channel, The Couple Cure. Last time, we talked about one of the things I strive to do on my website is to help women find their voice. And so I thought on this one, we would give examples of where I found my voice. Do you want to explain kind of where the first one came from? Well, not yeah. who it came from. Right, but. right. Well, the so the first one was we had someone who has been in recovery for a while that asked us about some of the interactions that Lori and I have based on my behaviors. And that person said it seems very codependent which um, the APSATS training talks about that codependency and wanting to feel safe look similar, but they're not the same. So this person had had made some very clear, you know, Lori, you're being codependent. You need to let Jay's recovery be his own. Mm-hmm. And Lori had a response to that. All right. So what we're going to do is Jay's going to take the writer's Um, part, and I'm just going to read through my response to that person. I love you both very much and want to see you both flourish and become the best versions of yourselves. When I was found out, I immediately told my ex that I was willing to do whatever it took. I complied. It was I who had a wrong to right. It allowed for me to be completely transparent. And what I wrote back was, it's great that you did that. This kind of proactivity is required for trust to be rebuilt. So yes, your ex should have learned to trust you. Unfortunately, porn addicts say they'll do those things and never follow through. I see it day in and day out. I think it has to do with the way porn inhibits healthy brain development as well as the stickiness, quote unquote, of porn. They can't necessarily get it out of the system as easily as an outside chemical. The difference in our situations is that you were proactive in your healing. In my situation, Jay was not for a very long time. Yeah. So then um, the comment is that in a healthy situation, it would go from 100% control to 60-40 to 50-50 and so on until there was 100% trust. Our marriage therapist explained it does go this way. It goes from 100% accountability to Jay's word and control alone. This is where we've gotten to. And rather than progressing forward, it seems to have gotten worse. This behavior fed into her codependency, the the partner's codependency. Yes. And I said, this one's a biggie. I get that partners of porn addicts are called codependent. But what the studies are showing is that there's something else going on with porn addiction, betrayal trauma. Studies have shown it can create PTSD in 70 to 98% of partners of porn users. They're also finding the codependent model doesn't work in intimate relationships because when a couple is truly unified, then one partner's side of the street, uh, quote unquote, is the other partner's side of the street. They are one. 
Some of the old therapy models have been scientifically proven to injure slash betray slash traumatize the partner more because it places on the partner an impossible task. She will never be able to clean up her act enough to heal from the trauma. It takes a different approach. Trust me when I say partners who are treated this way end up being traumatized by all the inaccurate information. It happens often enough, there's a term for it, treatment-induced trauma. This monster takes a different approach. For me personally, I am okay with being misunderstood or labeled as codependent by you. I know in my heart that if he got around the controls he has in place, or worse, if he cheated on me, I wouldn't try to control his actions. Let's just say I know how that story would end. It's not a stressor anymore. I rarely trigger due to PTSD, but when I do, it lasts only a minute, not days like in the past. But I help partners specifically because of this type of treatment-induced trauma or this type of misinformation. I help to empower them and give them a way out of the situation instead of giving them a tool that doesn't work in our closest relationships. How can someone fully trust another if they are still controlling every aspect of what the other person does? I get it. I controlled everything at first, and I hated myself for it. Why can't I stop? Why? That's the PTSD and trauma. But then a therapist said it was common for porn addicts to have many blind spots about recovery and relationship. The more Jay's brain healed, the more he was able to predict the consequences of risky behaviors, and the more he was able to rebuild trust by being proactive. But this came years into our healing, so I can understand that it looked like I was controlling everything. Right. There is only so long a person can t- can be punished before it becomes no longer about the wrong and more about the habit created in the aftermath. I wrote, if I come across as punishing Jay because he chooses to not have certain things in his life, I guess I'll have to be okay. What matters is I am clear with how all of this progressed between Jay and I. If an alcoholic were to watch movies where alcohol is consumed and not go on the internet and social media by chance that someone might speak of or post pictures of someone drinking alcohol was what was written. But I I think the the context there is just the fact that someone is talking about alcohol or seeing alcohol in movies doesn't mean that they're going to act out. Yeah. And I think they also meant it shouldn't, that shouldn't trigger the partner of this person. And what I wrote was, Here I have to say porn is a different monster. The only way this is an apples-to-apples comparison is this. Imagine if, when the alcoholics saw images of alcohol, a little bit of alcohol entered their system. The more arousing the picture, the more alcohol. What are the chances the alcoholic would get free if he ingested alcohol, as frequently as he saw sexually explicit images, or thought about it too long? That's what happens when a porn addict is around things that could trigger him. He doesn't have to go somewhere to get it, lift it to his lips, or ingest it. And it's not forced upon him. It's it's not forced into him. That's why sober porn addicts usually limit their exposure to things they know will trigger him. Right. So over time, just like in therapy, triggers become desensitized, meaning the seeing an image of alcohol or, or smelling alcohol wouldn't cause me to go drink. Yeah, that's what that person meant. What I wrote was, again, different monster. Jay's seen this over and over with sober addicts. They call it resensitization. 
They watched an R-rated movie when they were in active addiction with no triggers. Then when they got free, they watched that exact same show again, amazed at how many potential triggers were in it all along. This person said, we don't watch something because the other person is uncomfortable with it. And then she's controlling my recovery. And what I wrote was, because I advocate for partners, I have to say the only way the situation above is an apples-to-apples comparison of partners of porn addicts is this. How much discomfort would your partner feel if you watched something she knows would have as many shooting up scenes as it does skin? That that show wouldn't just trigger you, but could actually get you high just by looking at it. That looking at it too long would send the message, you're not the only woman I want. That because all of it's internal, you could lie about it, and have actually done that many times before. That in all this, it could happen right under her nose, that she might not even know about it. Not only that, but then she'll be called names forever doubting you. All of this is painful, so painful she thinks her only way out is to leave, since she'll just be labeled or blamed for it anyway. Because that's the mistake most make when thinking of partners of porn users. They think it's all about the images. If those things happen on a regular basis, there are much different dynamics going on. It's never just the images. 99% of the time, there are other traumatizing things that have gone on for these partners. Yet, they're shamed for wanting to protect themselves for, for basically being kicked where it hurts. I hope I haven't created any uncomfortableness. And I said, you haven't. Most people don't know the unique factors involved with betrayal trauma. I don't feel uncomfortable at all. It just lets me know I need to continue advocating for partners and spreading the message because women are being abused, literally, by all the misinformation out there. And I said, I hope you know I don't feel weird about this at all. Trust me, I'm used to these types of objections or concerns. And then I signed off. One thing I'd like to say is this person actually, I don't even know how many months after that, it might have even been during this time, I think was still an active addiction. They had gone back to their drugs. I'm really hoping this person has gotten clean since then. This type of attitude and going back to the uh, the chemical they were used to ruined the relationship. Um referred to in this uh, in this email. Yeah, and the the whole codependent idea is that Lori would be trying to control me. And the reality is for uh, really for porn addicts, we are so unaware of a lot of our behaviors and what we're noticing and what we're allowing in. Even many years into my recovery, Lori still helps me see things that I'm not 100% aware of. And that's critical for me to recover because it is not like alcohol. You've, you can think about Budweiser all day long, but until you drink it, you haven't broken sobriety. Right. And if I were to do the same thing with any of the stuff I've seen, I would be breaking sobriety. Mm-hmm. The difference is between Jay's approach and this person's approach is um, he's asked me to help him out that way. Hmm. He knows he has blind spots. And instead of going, hey, you're trying to control me, he thanks me. Yeah. 
And that's what we want for our listeners, um, because really that if you've listened to some recent episodes, that's one way that uh, that self-sacrifice looks for for addicts in recovery. I do have another one to share with you that might become the next one. Um, we'll also cover how this impacts the family, the family right. unit. Right. Yeah, and there's the some next. place for some comebacks with this because we have clients that it does impact their whole family and we will get into that in the next episode. Right. In the next episode, we'll cover somebody who wasn't quite so sweet in their delivery. So we'll see you on that episode, guys. Bye. Bye.